All right. Well, you still got a teaching, so <laughs> I want to pray for us because I know here's the thing. Here's the thing about knowing about Sundays is everybody wants to come. There's a reason you're here. And by the way, God blesses you and come on cold days and icy days. He gives extra special blessings, so I'm expecting that for everybody here. And, uh, but I want to just take a few seconds right before we start, and I want to make sure that your heart's right. You know, all God asks for us right now, you can check out, you can go through the motions. All he's asking is to be honest, just to be, this is where I'm at. And you can be doing really good, or you can be really a grumpy man or grumpy woman right now, and God will still meet you just by you being honest. And you're saying, I need you. And so if you've probably already done that, and most of us have, but let's just take a few seconds as we start, just to, because I believe God wants to actually teach us something down inside of us that are, is going to be key to this church and what God has for us. So Holy Spirit, as I move into this teaching, I, I ask that your presence will just be really strong here, and I pray for each person here. I know everybody has different things that are going on inside of them. Some people are doing really well. Some people are not doing very well. Some people are distracted, and God, I ask you just to show um, us that you love us right now, and we, just, we do our best we can. We need your grace, but we, we do the best we can just to open up to you right now and say, God, we, we welcome you into our lives right now. We need you. We need you to be our God, our teacher, our guide, our father, our instructor, and we ask you to teach us, and we can only be taught by your Holy Spirit. But use the words I have to use to, to, to speak words from you. And we welcome you to do that. Thank you, God, for the good things you're doing in this church. And Lord, I pray this teaching will be helpful in them going forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to be talking about um, what you're made for. And um, that's kind of an important question. Here's a, here's a really simple truth. Um, if you can understand what, who you are and what you're made for, this church, and you start living in it, this church will become exactly what God wants. It's not magical by some system. It's simple as that. When the more of you begin being who you are in Christ and living out the calling that God has given you, the church will take care of it. The church will expand. The church will grow in health. People will come to Jesus. And it's, it's really that simple. Now, you know, I was raised in church um, all my life, way too much, <laughs> every time it opened. And so, but, you know, it was a more traditional church, and, you know, I remember not being against it, I just wasn't for it, you know, I just was kind of hanging in there, and it was, I was in this, this traditional church, and I remember thinking in my mind, when I started getting more towards adolescence, I started thinking about, like, should I be a Christian, and what would that look like? And I thought, in my mind, it was mean, go to the service and join this church and be good. And that just didn't sound very appealing to me. <laughs> Plus, I, they were nice people, but they didn't seem like they were having a lot of fun. So I thought, well, maybe that's not what it is, but I, I didn't know what it was. But I remember, have you ever had a time where you've start, you just start feeling God's invitation? You know, many of you are there, even if you're a Christian, but even basically before you came a Christian, you started feeling these things set you up, like, you, man... I feel this draw, and it's, it's kind of freaking me out, but I feel this draw. I had this period of time where this just started happening, right? And I can remember, and, and sometimes if you think back, you, you think about these particularly weird things that happen that you can't quit forgetting about. Sometimes they are very small, but in that point, that interaction with that one person, that one situation, you actually got a hold of something. You thought, I, I know that was God in that. I think, 
I, and you can't, you replay it, and you think, why do I remember this late in life, and how do you do Those are because those are God moments. Inside a few of those God moments, quite a few of them actually, pretty crazy amount of them. But one of them was, I remember as I was in this traditional church yard playing with a bunch of kids, and uh, uh, we were just k- killing time. It's so much more fun than being inside the church. And we were playing around, and I remember there's this guy, this is in the 70s, I know I don't look this old, but I, I was, it was in the 70s, and I was young, very young. Uh, and... Uh, and, you know, pretty straight-laced church. This guy pulls up in a Jeep, and he has, like, crazy long hair and this beard and this kind of crazy smile on his face. And he pulls right in now, and he gets out of his Jeep, and he sits in the back and just starts watching us playing, you know? And I'm sure if uh, the parents came out, they would have shoot him off. But before the parents got there, we thought, we've got to check this guy out. So we started talking to him. He's just glowing, and he's saying, oh, man, you guys, I, I just want to say, I saw you and I thought, I can't believe that kids like you get to know Jesus. I just met him and he starts talking about Jesus and he starts talking about what Jesus did and how he changed his life and his life. And, you know, and I could just feel God coming off of this guy, right? And I didn't have any terms like that. But I remember when he left, I thought, okay, if I ever choose Jesus, I want to be like that guy, right? That's what I thought. I, I want to be like that guy. And I, and, and I couldn't find anybody like that guy for a long time. And Eventually, my life got really screwed up. I started, really went off the rails uh, with lots of crazy stuff. And, and even, so even at 16, I was really messed up. My brother's about 18. He comes to know Jesus, and he starts bringing these long hairs over to my house, you know? And, and they can spot that I'm high, and I'm smoking dope. They can spot me in a second, and they're so kind to me. And then my brother started, like, asking me if I needed a ride. Now, my brother used to make me not talk to him in school because he didn't want to be associated. I couldn't even walk to school. He made me hide behind a tree while he'd walk up because he didn't want me around. I couldn't ever get him to do a ride. He made me pay him off every time I could get a ride back then. And now he's asking me for rides. I'm going, oh, I know what this is up to. You know, I know, I know where this is going. But I started thinking, man, I started looking at these people. I said, oh, now I don't have really an excuse. And eventually, my brother, one night, my parents weren't home. We sat around, and he talked from 8.30 to 4.30 in the morning, and that was, that was, he ran out of things to talk about because he knew no more. He was bluffing half the time, and he just told me about anything he thought about about God, and, and finally he just says, go in your room and commit your life to Jesus, and, if you, and here's what his words were, and if you don't, I'll kill myself. So, <laughs> I, I, no, he said, if Jesus doesn't come through, I'll kill myself. He didn't say, oh, if I didn't do it, he'd kill himself. That's kind of... Well, manipulative, but 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 he says that was his that was his great evangelism close, right? And uh, so I did. I went to I went in. I was shaking. I said, Jesus, I commit my whole life to you. And I could feel his presence, and it changed my whole life from that point on, radically, right? Now, you know, as I look at that, I I you know I I think about that, and and really what happened is my brother he had. Transformed, he had come to Jesus, and he, he was—he was a new person. I mean, this like, who is this guy that wants to give me rides, and cares about me? And I could just see it. And then I became this new person. In Corinthians uh, five seventeen, it talks about everybody who's in Christ; he, they've become a brand new creation. Now, that's pretty wild, but I mean, it really is that radical. Every old's gone away; the new has come. And as you think about that. That is a statement that you can't explain in a couple words, right? In fact, Jesus had to give all kinds of different things and just describe what this new identity was. He talked about it was being born again. He, he explained it all different ways. He talked about we're a brand new child. And he gave all these particular like, parallels so we could get a grasp of how 
you have changed. You're no longer you the way you were designed before. And, and the sin has been left in your life, and that's changed you. You're able to be restored back to what you were originally designed for. The way you're relating to God is completely different now, right? Now, in our church, we have this thing called the 12 identities. You may not be able to read it, but it's basically we've taken biblical scriptures and we say, man, when you become this new creation, everything changes. Your attitude changes. You no longer become owners. You become stewards. You become, you become learners. Not, you know, and you, all these different things of, of different things. You are a student. You are a sheep. You know? Then we also talk about this primary standing. Your primary standing changes with God. You are righteous. You are, you are now his child. You're his bride, right? All these kind of solid things of worshiper, citizen of the kingdom, right? But then we talk about your whole role, the reason that you're here, what you're made for has completely changed. And that's pretty wild. And so what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about this thing of priest, right? You are a priest, okay? Think about that. You are part of the royal priesthood. Now, in Vineyard, you've seen the phrase, everybody gets to play, right? You guys know that one? And I used to think, mean goof off? Yes, you can. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about everybody gets to participate. In other words, understanding the kingdom is when you say yes to Jesus, you're not in the bleachers watching the professionals do do the work of ministry. You instantly jump from the bench or from the stands onto the field, and now you're actually entered into this very serious thing called life that you're advancing God's kingdom. You're joining his purpose and plan, right? From day one, right? And God does this thing through you. So you get to participate. Another thing we say in our church is this. And this is a good one for today. Who is the minister of your church? And we say, what? I am. That's a trick question, I know. So the reality of it is, especially on a day like today, Marie is, but you are. I am, we are. That's, that's That's what's true about it, you know? I am the minister of our church. You are the minister of the church. This is such a simple concept that's throughout all of Scripture, and I'm telling you, it's radical to people. They think it's odd, you know? So here's what you can do. You can, you can now have a bumper sticker that says, I'm a minister of my church, you know? You can even get the reverence sign if you need to. It's all biblical, right? right? And that's the truth. Now, as you think about this is, for me... I knew when I said yes to Jesus, because I'd been through a lot before I finally said yes, I knew I had to get on the field quick. I was watching these other people jumping into other people's lives, and I thought, okay, I'm supposed to help people come to know Jesus. And that's about all I knew. And so for me, some Christians sit there on the sidelines. They can't figure out why the Christian life is kind of boring. It's because they haven't entered the field. I was one that jumped on the field and couldn't figure out what I was doing. All right? Anybody had small children learn how to play soccer? Anybody, anybody's experienced this? Okay, you know, this is our, our Elise played soccer, and, and, uh, and I remember thinking, what? I didn't know what's going on. There's this ball of dust that was circular around the ball that would go kind of up and down the field. You couldn't even tell who the colors were separated. They didn't know position. They didn't know their roles. And then all of a sudden, so you're like, yeah, 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 it's getting closer. Though. I don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, some kid, by accident, probably kick another kid, hits the ball, and it goes into the, it goes into the goal. And everybody's like, yeah, high five, you did great. And you know that kid's running back loose, and he's thinking, I'm made for this. I have no idea what just happened, but this feels so good, right? I, I'm feeling, I feel like this is what I'm made for. I just don't, I don't know how it happened. Wow, that was so cool. That was me. For about 15 years after becoming a Christian, it's like, I'm made for this. What just happened? I, I don't even, I would run, I'd have these things, God would show up in these places, I think, 
I didn't know any of this theology about identity or what I was made for. I didn't have, you know, I needed that 12-point chart. I didn't, I didn't have any of that. I just thought, okay, I'm supposed to play somehow, right? And I was, I was thinking about that, and, you know, one thing that came to my mind is I was always surprised, like, I think God did something through me. How did that happen? I mean, that's, that, honestly, and it was like so exciting. Like, I'll try it again, but I didn't know what I did, right? One time it was like this. I was, I was, about, I was about 18, so I'd, been a, I'd, been, I'd had two years of deep theology, and so I was like passionate. And a, a friend of mine, his name was Bill, kind of a quirky dude, uh, and he, he had a pickup truck, and he was going for um, uh, Christmas shopping. He said, hey, you want to come with me? And I realized Bill didn't really, he just was bored and wanted to get, get, hang out. So I went and got one gift and he's done. I'm like, oh, okay. So we're in his truck. And uh, Bill has an eight-track tape. Look on Google, you'll figure out what that is. And it's like, it's a, it's a tape that never stops. <laughs> and, uh, and he had a worship tape. I didn't know they even made him back then on eight-track. And he put it in. Now Bill, a little quirky, pretty bad voice. Do, he doesn't just sing. He starts like shouting, worshiping, like a Pentecostal service, like just hitting the dash, swinging his arm as we're it's crisp, we're snow, in the snow, we're sliding around as he's doing it. And uh, I still have a choice here. I'm an 18-year-old. I'm trying to be really cool. I've never had this experience before. I'm thinking, either I just sit here in awkward oddness, I sing so he doesn't feel so bad, or I worship. And for some reason, I decided, what the heck? So I just I decided, what the heck? So... I, I sang loud in the bill. We just started slapping the dash. We started worshiping. I'd never done anything like this. Like I, was, I mean, I was a pre-reserved guy, and I just started worshiping. I mean, we just worshiped. And the eight-track tape never stopped. And we just kept going. And we kept driving around. We didn't want to stop. And finally, it was like past midnight. And Bill goes, I can't afford the gas, Dave. He says, I'm about out. I said, well, he says, let's go to Denny's. That's when you have no other place to go. <laughs> it's Denny's. And so you go to Denny's. So I go to Denny's, and I'm sitting in the booth with him, and I just still feel God's presence there so strongly. And I just, we just don't want it to stop. We don't go home. And we didn't have terminology for this stuff. And then we thought, okay, I'm here at Denny's. This stuff's going on. And then right about that time, I look up, and who walks in is my agnostic friend from high school who's always harassed me ever since I followed Jesus. And he comes in. He's a little tipsy from a party with a group of people. And he separates from them, and he comes and starts talking to us. And my friend goes, sit down with us. I thought, oh, Bill, this ain't going to work. You know, you're not very cool. And so he sits down there with us. And we start talking. And things started coming out of our mouth that we didn't know we were that smart. We were like saying things about what his heart was thinking. And he's getting all choked up. And we're getting choked up. And these things happen. I've never seen him be anything but hard. And he's, we're asking, he's asking deep questions. And it just keeps going. And I keep thinking, am I crazy? It feels like we're in some sort of bubble here. This is like, and I, I didn't have any terminology for that. And I remember, I remember I thought, maybe I'm just making this up. And I remember I turned to my right. And you know, the, the Denny's, if you unfortunately had been there, there's, there's, a four, there's a four booth section by the window, and there's a two booth, the double, the single booth there. In the single booth, there's this really well-dressed couple who came from a, a, a Christmas party, really nice, sophisticated. And they had turned around in the two booth, and they're like this, and they were listening to every word. They were just glued to our conversation. And I thought, okay. <laughs> uh, and so I thought, wow, that was cool. I had no idea how it happened, right? I didn't understand that I was a priest. I didn't understand this should be normal. This is what I'm made for. It felt like, oh, this is what I'm made for, but I didn't know how I did it, right? 
And this is so encouraging. So in a, a, this role of, you know, everybody gets to play, all that stuff, that's not just a phrase in the vineyard. That's a biblical truth. That's right. It's in, it's in 1 Peter, it says, you know, this whole place of it's Peter begins explaining this and saying, in contrast, the old covenant versus the new covenant, this, everything's changed. And he goes on to say, he says, he talks about, he compares us with a spiritual temple or a spiritual house, and he calls us a royal priesthood. And the way he describes this is this really wild picture he paints of Jesus being a st- living stone, alive, right, of the cornerstone. A cornerstone means the essence of the building. It means the perfect stone that everything gets aligned to. The, so if they're aligned to that, everything becomes perfectly done, right? It's the essence of what it's all is compassed in Christianity. This is Jesus. He's the perfect cornerstone. He's alive, and he's calling us. And we're just laying around. We come alive. We come out of this dark, muddy place, and we start moving towards him, and all of a sudden, he connects us in uniquely to our certain spot. And pretty soon, there's this whole beautiful spiritual house being built. And that's us, living stones. This is the new temple. And he goes on to say, he goes this, so he goes, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, People belonging to God that you may declare, moving down to verse 9, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Yes. I mean, that's so cool, isn't it? This is what we've been calling. You know, what it's saying there, it's basically saying, you understand, the, they understand the Jewish setup. Where did the Holy Spirit dwell in the Holy of Holies within the temple? The spirit dwelled within the temple. You know, people came to understand who God was, his truth, his power, his presence. They went to the temple, right? And then the priests were there, and they were offering up worship to them through sacrifices and saying, and, and they, would, they were coming before God, and they were mediating, bringing God to people through their responsibilities and their role. And so it's pretty straightforward, you know? We are that now. This is how the new covenant is. It's not buildings. We are the building. We actually are the mediation of of the ministry of reconciliation to the world, to God. We play that role. And we we are people who can come before God, and we don't no longer have things that we sacrifice. We, like we prayed this morning, we give ourselves, our whole selves, as a living sacrifice, yielding our life to him and sacrifices of praise. Right? And how did we get there? What a deal. Because of his mercy. No other reason. He just called us out of darkness. He just chose us. And we get to have this role. Didn't earn it. You know? And Jesus laid down his life. He played all the sacrifices. And it opened up this whole other ability for us to be able to enter into without shame. And, and justified. And right before God. And he's given us a brand new identity. And we get to live in that. So when you're, so you're a priest, you are a temple, you know, this is what we are. You know, how do you see yourself? You see yourself as a, as a royal priest? Do you think of yourself as the temple, right? It tells us that we're the Holy Spirit, we're, the, we're the God's temple, which Holy Spirit dwells, right? In, in Revelations, it says we're a kingdom of priests. 
It's clear, biblically. So that's the truth that you just have to say, what do you do with that? How do you respond to that? You can go today and biblically be correct in putting that bumper sticker in your car that said, royal priest, and I am a temple. But you may not want to, all right? But you could, right? How do you feel about that when you're in your life, your everyday life? Do you understand this is really where God dwells now? This is really how he's reaching the world. It's through this priesthood of, of people like you, you and me. Now, the thing about this is, I'm going to go through, and I'm just going to cover what this might look like, okay? Because honestly, this church, you have to understand, this is the DNA of this church. It's, it's this spot of saying, I mean, we want to have, you guys have cooler graphics than us, you got lights, you, you got hip, cool people, we're, we're not that cool. But, and, you, and you have nice facility, it's a little chilly, but I like that actually. And it, but it's really nice, right? And that's good, and the programs, and kids stuff, and all that stuff, but what it gets down to, if you want to impact this community, if you want this church to go where, it's like you have to start being who God says you are. You know, he, it's, 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 not, it's not, you know, humility to say, oh, you say I'm a priest, but I'm not. No, that's pride. You know, he wants you to, when he says you're a child, he wants you to act like a child. And when he says you're a priest, he wants you to step out and be a priest. Because that's how he reconciles people himself is through us. And so, number one thing about a priest is we can come boldly into God's presence without fear or shame. Is that amazing or what? <laughs> I know none of you screw up, but if you did sometime in your life, you could actually go to God and not worry about that because we don't ever have to hide anything. We can come boldly into his throne room for help anytime we want, you know? Understanding that is, is you know, this, this place in which that, uh, this, in, in uh, Mark it talks about when Jesus uttered his last words, the curtain of the sanctuary was, and the temple was torn from top to bottom. The Holy Holy is it's no longer, it's the new system. The Holy of Holies has now opened us. That means we can enter in. You know, the priests, had, they had a lot of fear when they entered in. <laughs> they had made, checked everything out, make sure they got all the sacrifices done for even things they didn't understand so they could go in. We don't get it. We just get to run in like kids, like free access because we've been justified through faith. We can boldly come before God. You know, and Paul compares our ministry with like, oh, it's like the ministry of Moses, but much, much more glorious. Your ministry as a priest is more glorious than Moses, according to Scripture. And it talks about this, and, and, and here's what he says. Imagine this. You know, Moses had to have a veil over his face because of the glory of God. There had to be a, that, the, the curtain between the Holy of Holies. This is what this is referring to when Paul says, and we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, being transformed into his image in ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Spirit now dwells within us, and we get to contemplate him, and we get to, he comes, and, he, and we, are, we get to be his priest. All right? Now, and there's no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ. You know, this word boldly you see all the time in the New Testament. New Testament priests do two things, and they boldly go before God. Right? Part of the reason I use that story of, of riding around the pickup truck and then Denny's, it's really two parts of the priesthood. I was, I was coming in the presence of God for a number of hours in my eight-track tape. And it, I was opening myself up wide, and I was giving sacrifices to God in my life. Right? And I could feel his pleasure. I knew him better. I was experiencing him. And then I went to Denny's, and I mediated 
between God and man. That's it. And it can happen anytime, even Denny's, even in a pickup truck, even with someone named Bill who's kind of weird. It works. Now, the thing about that is, the other thing I'd say about this is, is um, and, and I'll just say this is, if you want to get better at ministry, get more real with God. <laughs> Come more boldly before him. The more boldly you go before God with who you truly are and open your whole life to him, the more you'll be able to understand that you're a priest. Secondly is this, is that uh, we are competent and effective ministers because God's spirit's in us. We're competent ministers. You know, Paul says it's this, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything from ourselves. We are competent from God who made us competent as ministers of the new covenant. The only reason we're competent, you know, I mean, if you could have been that Denny's and you, the spirit was not there, you would not have been impressed with anything I said. Trust me. You know, because my competence wasn't that I knew lots of theology. My competence, my brother's competence to lead me to Jesus, who brought the revelation of Jesus, I'm going to say, it came out of him, through him, God used him. He, he, if you would have listened to what he said between 8.30 and 4.30, it wouldn't have impressed you. But I'm telling you, when he was speaking, I could feel God talking to me, right? And we have, we, everybody keeps thinking, well, when I get some theology on, when I get the questions answered, <laughs> it starts the day you come into Jesus. You can start ministering day one. I remember I used to have these friends at work that became Christians, and they kept going out smoking dope. And they come back. I was like the good guy. I was explaining everything to them. They wouldn't listen to me. They would, this one guy going down, he's smoking dope, and he says, I know I shouldn't be doing this. God's telling me not to do this. I need to quit this. It's messing me up. But I do love Jesus. And they become Christians. And I said, wait a minute. You can't do that, God. But no, they were just being ministers, right? It's, it doesn't, it's not a based on that. It's based on you being truly who you are and saying, this is what I know to be true. And God comes through you. Now, the other thing that's so cool about this is it's a 24-7 rule. This is what's so cool. Like, you can be priest now. You can be priest, at the, at the, you know, when we're eating later. You can be priest in your marriage. You can be priest anyplace. You know, and I love, I, love, I love service because this allows us to be aware of that. So we have a lot of priestly activity happens. We pray for each other. God comes. That's just normal stuff. We want that all to be happening in every home group and every worship night. And every, we want God's spirit. We just want to be priests to each other. When we walk in the door, we're priests to each other. And I love that stuff. But what I really love is when it starts getting outside the walls. That's when it starts getting fun. You know, you know when, it's, when it's, you know, Denny's is really fun, right? Only when the Holy Spirit's there, right? So the, the reality of it, the reason I'm so negative about Denny's, just, just a side note, why we think, why does the guy have something against Denny's? They have great cheap food. Yeah, I know, but I got food poisoning at Denny's. I got grand slammed, so I've never quite <laughs> got over that. I, mean, I need some prayer ministry later for that. So, but, but he'll show up anywhere. And so, you know, I, I thought about all the things I've heard just in the last year uh, of people in our church of, these moments in the grocery store at Walmart, restaurants and drive-throughs and business trips on planes and vacation and parking lots and bars and funerals, garbage dumps, uh, helping, you know, in the mission, you know, the places, hospitals, jails, you know, kids putting their kids to bed in their marriages, on the phone. Doesn't matter, right? It's 24-7. That's why he has us all in the world. That's why he says go. Be who you are in the world. And the other thing I'd say is... is is understanding it, it's, it happens just through us understanding that's who we are. And it comes mostly through our words, our actions, our presence, and our prayers. It comes through all those things. 
you know, hopefully as I'm speaking, you know, you're not sleeping, but the reality is I'm hoping that in that spot, there's things you're thinking, stirring, you're thinking about particular things about your life, right? And if that's God, it's, it, I, it should, it's expected as you talk, you say, this is who God's God done in my life. It, you can feel it almost, you know, when you hear someone talk about their testimony, what God, you can feel when people worship like this, that you can feel it, right? That's the priest thing happening through just words, right? Conversations you have can change people's lives. Don't you guys know this? How many times do you have this one thing that person says to you and you've never forgot it? That one way that person served you by an action that seems so simple, but you never forgot it. One time I was at a home group, and as I was leaving the home group when we were first planting our church, there was this guy named Jim Mikowski who's an airline pilot. He's very kind. Uh, and as I left the, the thing, I had an appointment with someone at Einstein's Bagels up uh, quite a ways from my house. And at right at the same time, someone was talking at the very same time about my wipers on my Mazda no longer worked, and I didn't have the money to change the motor, and I was trying to get someone to do it. So he heard these two things, and quickly as I was exiting, the next morning I'm at Einstein's Bagel, and I get ready to go out, and it starts pouring, just like the weather forecast, just like everybody said, and I thought, oh, great, I can't, I can't see, right? So I ran to my car, and I thought, I'll just have to wait this thing out, and it just wouldn't stop. But I looked at my window, this is no kidding, and the water just parted. I could see perfectly. It was raining like really perfect. And I thought, God, it's done something. And I looked over, and there's Rain-X on my seat. <laughs> and Jim Mikowski got up before his early flight, took his Rain-X, found my in my parking lot, completely Rain-Xed my window, and left. And, and that, that may sound funny, but I, I can't talk about it without crying. It's, it's stupid, I know, but it, I mean, I just, because it wasn't Jim, it was a service done in faith, a simple choice of faith, and it changed my life. I think about that and feel God's pleasure, him caring for me in a way that I can't even put into words. Because Jim thought, that's a good idea, I'll do that. That's what, you can do it through just an action. And if you look at this place, it sometimes can be presence, it's just presence. My wife has gone through a crazy amount of surgeries lately. She's now I can't put any weight on her foot and we're wheeling her around the wheelchair and all this stuff. And we have a gal, some of you know her, Anna Schulte. She just shows up. And, and we don't, even, whether you want her there or not, and she starts laughing. And fine, she's done. She, you feel God's presence come into the room. I've had times where I've had two, one time I had two guys pray for me, didn't say a word. They just sat with me as I wept and they put their hands on me. And I can't tell you, it was the most significant time I probably have ever, one of the top two or three times in my life of how God spoke to me. And it wouldn't have happened without them there. But they didn't say a word. But they were present. And God was using them as priests. You can even do it through prayers. Priests pray for the kind you, you, can, you can bless people from your, from your recliner. You, know? you can be driving along and say, I think I'll do a little priestly dinner. I'll turn off the news here. I'm going to do some priestly activity. You listen to what God's saying. You pray for things to happen. Right? You can do it over the phone. So, now, you know, there's this, two different times this last month I've had this kind of dark cloud hanging over me, and I've just text. I, I, I finally just had to text four or five of my friends and said, I, I need help. Instantly, <laughs> since I started praying, I got in a different spot, right? Just by praying. Now, and the last thing I want to say, and I'll close with this one, Many people discount themselves. Some of you right now are saying, well, that's for someone else because you're, you're still living in this belief that you have condemnation, that that's, that's God, it's not. 
If you know Jesus, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He wants to convince you of that. You can come to him with no matter what you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, and he still will use you in this role. In fact, our humanity actually reveals and communicates the gospel better than anything else. In Corinthians it says, you know, light shined out of darkness. Get the contrast here? He made light shine out of our hearts. And he's given us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in his face of Christ. We, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show his surpassing power is from God and not from us. All those things that you're discounting your ability to be a priest is your, is your humanity. And your humanity is what allows the gospel to be seen. You understand that? The gospel is not understood if we're a polished pot because none of us are. We're earthen vessels with lots of cracks and brokenness. And we don't hide that. We stay in the light with who we truly are. And we say, this is what God has had in me. And you talk, they say, oh my gosh, that person is just like me. But I can feel God coming through them. I want that. It's not based on them being good. It's based on God being good. It's not based on their power. It's based on his power. And so your humanity, the very thing the enemy tells you to try to keep you from stepping out and, and operating this role is the very thing that makes it more clear of who God is. I'll just close with this story with my brother. Is, you know, when I was with my brother, um, my dad smoked, and so we could get away with smoking whenever they, they were not home. So they went out of town, which you love that, because we could stay up as long as we wanted, eat whatever we wanted, and we could smoke. That's what it, so... Um, <laughs> So during this conversation, we went through a lot of cigarettes as we're going back and forth, right? And, uh, and uh, so by 4.30 in the morning, I remember this ashtray was kind of filled up, you know. And my brother, who still smoked, um, uh, he'd just become a Christian. He hadn't, you know, hadn't figured out if he should or shouldn't. He was, you know. And so here's what I, I remember about my brother. He, he'd been trying to convince me through all this factual Bible stuff, which is great. Good stuff. I mean, I, as he was talking, I was just feeling God speaking to me as he was just talking. But finally, he, he couldn't close the deal. I mean, he, it's 4 3 in the morning. Like, he didn't know anything about like, asking me or doing, he didn't know anything. So he just kept talking, right? And so we're like, we're starting to get kind of sleepy, right? And finally, my brother, <laughs> this is a scene that I talk about a lot. My brother looks over at me. I mean, I know my brother. We have, we know, I know every dark secret he has. He knows mine. We cover for each other. I know the things that he's done that has not been good. And he knows the things I've been done that's not been good. And he's treated me like crap a lot of times. So my brother now looks at me. And he has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And he says, David, I don't know what else to say. But I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. You know me. And when he said that, he, he knew what that meant. Like, you know what, a, what the crappy stuff I have in my life. You know the things I struggle with. He says, you know me. God lives in me. If he lives in me, he can live in you. And I thought, yeah. If he can live in him, he can live in me. I mean, you know, I might have been a little better person than him. I thought, wow, this works out good. Do you see how the, God, the earthen vessel brings the beauty of the gospel when we fight being human? We fight, we hide our stuff. We think we have to be a polished pot and have it all down. We need to be a raw person who's struggling, who loves Jesus, and does not, is so clear about how much he loves us that so we can say, this is who Jesus is. So here's my prayer for you guys at church. Is, is, honestly, 
I know there's complexities of church and there's people come with consumer attitudes and you have to be sensitive and all those things. But if you guys can just start knowing to greater and greater degrees what your position in Jesus truly is and living it out and living out your role as priest with your particular personality 24-7, it'll dramatically shape this church into something that won't be fragile and fall apart. It'll be something that's unstoppable. Because you, that's the way the new covenant's set up. Regardless of what America says about churches, this is the way the church really is to be. You are the ministers, and, and Maria is just a playing coach to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And I know we know that, but we can't know it enough because culture is always pulling us back, and the enemy is always telling us that we're not who God says we are. All right? So that's about all I got. <laughs>